Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your hosts Mike Carter, and the number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turning a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans, one forty nine and two, unbelievable. Touch that dial. You've got another action-packed rendition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich alongside of Mike Carter. And Mike, I'll tell you what, what an action-packed weekend we are coming off of. How about Tall Dark Stranger and Poppy Rob Hanover? I can't wait to see that rivalry renew. Boy, you're not kidding. That was just an unbelievable race. That That is one of those races, Mike, that first of all, that's what we live for as harness racing fans and enthusiasts. That's number one. Number two, I don't know if I've ever seen a gutsier effort than I saw with Tall Dark Stranger. I mean, he he was flat out defeated, Mike. He was beaten. He was done. Absolutely. He done. was beaten, and, and, he, and he fought back. And, and, and let's give credit to Poppy Rob Hanover, too, because, uh, you know, my comment about Poppy Rob Hanover on TVG was that he, in his elimination, and I knew – that he drew post-position 10, and he had to be used to get position and so forth. But he didn't look like he had the same pop to me in the elimination. But I'll tell you what, Brett Pelling's uh, – I think the way Dave Brower put it, uh, Brett Pelling will have his horse ready for the big dance, and he was. And I'm going to tell you what, Mike, they put on one heck of a show. Yeah, the both of them did. It was unbelievable. Like uh, like we said, Tall Dark Stranger was done at the top of the stretch. Uh, Yannick Jingra sat down with Wendy Ross earlier this week and basically said the same thing. I mean, he he wasn't overly happy with uh, Tall Dark Stranger at the top of the stretch, and then all of a sudden, man, he dropped and hit another gear, and it was absolutely impressive. You were there live. I'm a, a, it had to be amazing watching that performance live. It certainly was. And I'm going to tell you another horse, too, that I thought raced really, really well was uh, my pick in there, Alleywag Hanover. And I think he's kind of, you know, when you're handicappers and you're watching the replays, I think he's kind of fallen. He fell through the cracks a little bit, uh, especially if you look at the – if you watch the replay versus the chart of mine, that's why we always urge you to watch replays because Alleywag Hanover was, first of all, he could not settle down. He never found a pylon. Tim Teacher could not settle him down. He raced the first quarter of the mile uncovered. And then finally, when he was able to flush cover, of course, it was Poppy Rob Hanover. It was live cover at that. And, uh, you know, and, and he just, he didn't have the pop at the end. 
because of the troubled trip. So that's another horse that I think you have to watch. It is very close in ability to Poppy Rob Hanover and Tall Dark Stranger. I think that trio is just going to put on a great, great show uh, throughout 2020. And I'm going to tell you why, <laughs> given the circumstances of 2020, <laughs> we certainly need it. Well, I'll tell you, we won't talk about my selection in the Meadowlands piece. Uh, we will talk about, however, the couple of winners that I did pick. Uh, of course, I had my selection in the Meadowlands piece was Captain Midnight. And I expected uh-huh. Captain Midnight to race a lot better off of the trip he had the week before. He was parked the mile. He actually grinded uh-huh. away first up pretty well, did not make the final uh, originally. And then Chief Nate uh, obviously chose to go to the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes instead of the Meadowlands Pace. So Captain Midnight got in. I was really happy with Spot. Andrew McCarthy took him back off the gate. Uh, but you know what? That's the, that's, the way these, uh, that's the way these races play out, Mike. That's why they race the race, because you just don't know what could happen. But let's talk about a couple of other big performances on the night. And where I made my money, and I couldn't believe I made as much money as I did, Ramona Hill was uh-huh. one big one that I made a decent amount of money with uh, the Breeders' Cup champion from one year or excuse me from a year ago. Um, really put in a monster monster effort on Saturday night at the Meadowlands, and also the other horse Mike that made me some money reflect with me. Two big uh-huh. name horses that went off at crazy big odds, if you ask me. I mean, I got eight to one on Ramona Hill, and what was I get reflect with me here? I'm looking at the line. Eight to one too. Now. She went off eight to one too. Reflect to me. Eight yeah, to she went off eight to one too. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I really liked Lion Sentinel. Lion Sentinel was uh, you know, put in a good performance along with Rock Nificent. And uh, how about Priceless, Mike? Priceless raced out of this world. Uh, got a pocket trip, kinda got shuffled back there around the far turn. And then just motored home for Brandon Bates, 25-3 and three final quarter. I know you're not big on final quarters, but uh, priceless with a big effort in the Mistletoe Chalet. Yeah, no question about it. That was, that was really a fun race. We saw a lot of great performances, but, you know, I will say one thing. I don't have no idea how Ramona Hill went off at 8-1, especially no. uh, how she raced in a, a needed start. Her first start uh, back last week I thought was just tremendous. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, she really brought it. 153, she went right to the front. She fended off pressure, and uh, that was just a really good performance, and I really, really thought the one was uh, just a steal. But, you know, Mike, you know how people get hooked to horses? I mean, uh, I think everybody saw Sorella's performance last week, and, uh, you know, hey, I mean, uh, she just had a a stranglehold on the the wagering off that performance last week. But – how about let's? How about Jim Panzee, Mike? Jim Panzee was amazing, and as Ken Workenden mm-hmm. said, take that post thirteen. And you know, I know there's a lot of debate, Mike, about there should be noses on the gate for stakes and what have you. Jim Panzee proved to everybody why that debate, to me anyway, is a moot point because. He raced extremely well from post-13. It's almost like the Kentucky Derby, and me and Garnet Barnes, they were talking. Basically, all Brian had to do was stay out of trouble, and he did, and he closed home and put in a monster effort, won very easily uh, through the stretch. Yeah, that was fantastic. What about the big upset in the uh, Dorothy Houghton with major occasion sneaking up the inside to beat Sharp, and I thought that was an unbelievable drive by Dexter Dunn just coasted up and and, uh, you know, hey, Sharpton is still the queen, no question about it. It's going to go down as one of the best pacing areas of all time. But uh, that night belongs to major occasion. Yeah, here's the thing with Dorothy Houghton, and I'm super happy for the connections. And one thing about major occasion, Mike, a very nice racehorse. Dexter drove exactly how he was supposed to in that race. He was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming down the stretch, he shot up the inside and pulled off the monumental upset. But I wasn't overly surprised with Sharpton's performance. Um, before the Dorothy Houghton, she last raced at Yonkers Raceway um, in the Affiliate Mayor Open Handicap, and she lost a shoe in that effort, which led to her being scratched at Harris, Philadelphia uh, a mm-hmm. week later on July 5th, injured because uh, obviously she threw a shoe and, you know, there were, you know, they didn't want to take the chance. So who knows? Maybe she was a little sore. She raced out of this world for being injured the week before, coming back on 13 days rest. And, you know, putting in the effort that she did. I'm not overly surprised that she lost. 
But one thing about Sharp is she can bounce back off of these things. It wasn't like she finished up the track ninth. She finished a dead game second to a very, very talented field. And I think that is the note that everybody should take away from that. No, nothing to take away from the um, 2019 horse of the year. By any sense of the word, Major Asian just uh, just had her number the other night. And how big was Dancing Lou? Dancing Lou, another big effort. Did you see the video of Connie Camilleri, Mike, on mm-hmm. uh, yes, social media? <laughs> she was jumping up and down. How about that? You know, if you don't know the Connie Camilleri story, decided, you know what, I want to be in, uh, I want to train race horses. And now all of a sudden she's popped up with a horse named Dancing Lou. And Dancing Lou has been just absolutely phenomenal for her. Um, another effort on Saturday night, Mike, um, that I want to talk about real quick, Pan M in the Del Miller uh-huh. Memorial uh, finished second for Nancy Tactor, only missed by a length and a half in 150 and four, last quarter 27 and four. But the one thing about it, Nancy Tactor was very high on this filly uh, when she talked in the, uh, about some of her contenders for the week. And Pan Am actually well to go off at 17-1. I was a little uh, little, little surprised. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and I think that was totally a, a hittable trifecta, and that, and that trifecta paid very, very well. Mike, we've got a great show on tap for you today. Marcus Milan is going to be joining us here in just a moment. We're going to talk about uh, his uh, four-year-old trotting superstar, Jim Pansy. And uh, how he just uh, how he dominated from post thirteen man, what a great performance! Well, that was the, the whole Meadowland Space Cards was full of fantastic performances. One of the greatest harness racing cards that that I've ever seen. I've ever been a part we of. We could talk honest. for but hours Marcus on that card. Yeah, yes, we can. Marcus Milan is going to be joining us. Plus, we're going to talk to Brian Brown. Brian's got the trainer Brian. But it's been a while since Brian's been on the program, but uh, he's got uh, a couple of uh, pretty. Nice horses, a couple of interesting prospects that will be competing in the Adios of Nations coming up at the Meadows this Saturday, which will feature Poppy Rob Hanover. So well, we're going to uh, talk about that a little bit and a whole lot more harness racing. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. We'll be back with Marcus Milander in just a moment. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, we're joined now by Marcus Melander. And Marcus, I got to tell you, man, the last year and a half for you has just been absolutely lights out. And Jim Panzi, what a performance the other night. Uh, Obviously, had everything going against him. Drew off to win easily through the stretch. Uh, You know, you, you had to be happy with that performance. 
Oh, for sure. You know, you, you never know where he was going to end up from post 13, but you know, Brian handled it good as he always do. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was super happy with him. You know, he won by a couple of lengths and, you know, he did it easy. Marcus Milan, Mike Bozich here. Tell us, uh, let's go back into the history of Jim Pantier. He's such a special resource, obviously. Uh, tell us about your first uh, connection with him when you first got him and when you kind of knew he was something, going to be something special. Well, we bought him in Harrisburg. Uh, you know, look at a lot of horses. And uh, uh, we didn't think he was going to be that expensive. He, he cost 117 We had limits about to 100, 120, but it you know, went a little bit further, and uh, and uh, yeah, we got him, and uh, you know, he was always a nice horse, you know, training down, but he didn't, you know, he didn't stand out really, you know, we had Green Shoe uh, that, you know, he, he stand out a lot, you know, he showed a lot of speed early, so, you know, Jim uh, Pensee, he, he felt like a good horse, like, but maybe just a really good New York horse, if you know what I mean, like, so we staked him pretty light uh, as a two-year-old to you know mostly new york and then the british crown and maybe matron but uh when we really you know thought that was you know felt like was a really good horse was probably first time we trained him at meadowlands we always bring him in there two times and uh, uh, you can really feel that time that he he was something special now, one thing, Marcus, that I think a lot of people don't know about Jim Panzi is it's not even that he's lazy. He just kind of does things his own way in the morning. Um, I tell the Hamiltonian week story to anybody who will listen. Uh, I remember being out there and trying to get him to jog. He just wanted to kind of look around and, you know, kind of uh, see what his surroundings were. But once he's on the racetrack, he's all business. Yeah, at home here, you know, it goes with an open bridle and uh... – you know, he he's very laid back horse, you know, he, he has, he's in no hurry, you know, even when you train him or something like that, you know, he always feels good, but you know, he's lazy and, you know, doesn't do more than he has to do. But then when you bring him to the track, it's, he's all business and he also gets, you know, the close bridle on and, you know, he gets a different horse, you know, when he, when he's in racing mode. Visiting with trainer Marcus Melander. Marcus, tell us a little bit about what's down the road for Japan. Please. And next up will be the Cashman uh, during Hamble Day. Uh, it will, it's about two two weeks from from this weekend. Uh, I don't think we will. You know, we race now two weeks in a row here. I don't think we'll race him between there. He doesn't have any races. Uh, if he was, we were gonna put him in the on Sunday in that spirit of Massachusetts. But you know, he, he raced two weeks in a row. You know, and raced really well. So I, I didn't want to go three weeks in a row with him. It's a long season. So next race for him will be the Cashman. Marcus, I uh, want to put you on the spot a little bit just for a second. In the Tompkins gears coming up, uh, you've got a three-year-old filly by the name of Hall of AM entering uh, this weekend. And uh, she's kind of had a, a little bit of a slow start to 2020, but uh, she seems to be rounding into form at the right time. Yeah, she qualified great, uh, really good, actually, behind Hypnotic AM and, and Sorella. And then, you know, it's starting to get really warm outside and she came in heat and, you know, she's having trouble with that. But finally, I think we're, we're, we got that under control. And, uh, uh, last time she made a break on that track that was, you know, wasn't the best that day. So, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm very excited to see her on Saturday if, uh, because, you know, she, she is a really nice horse. Marcus, I'm uh, going to ask you about a couple more horses uh, that we saw perform on Meadowlands Pace Day. Uh, Hypnotic AM, you just mentioned her. Uh, she was in the Dell Miller. She finished uh, third. She was parked a mile in that particular race. I thought she still showed a uh, very good staying power. Tell us what your thoughts are on uh, on that performance. I was very happy with her. You know, she had a bad post. She was uh, outside for the entire mile. Uh, uh, I don't think she was 100% in form. Uh, I think that was uh, good for her to get a little bit tired, you know, in New York in those races. Uh, uh, first, uh, New York Sire Stakes, you know, she, she came to the lead and could set the fraction herself and at the same time was in the Empire Breeders. So it was good for her that, you know, she, you know, got really raced and, you know, got tired. I think that will put her forward. And, you know, I I'll think she'll be in great form now coming Hamble Day up. One more horse to ask you about uh, was a horse that uh, finished fifth, another one that had a, 
a pretty bad post and uh, never really had any uh, position in that race. The family dancer for the three-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters was uh, Master Raymond. Yeah, he, he qualified great. He qualified three times, and, you know, it was great. You know, he beat a lot of good horses in those qualifiers, but then we had some really bad luck with the draws in, in these races, and we'd just been, you know, taking him back, and uh, Brian's done a good job with him and just teaching him. You know, we, we've been aiming for the handle for him all year, and, you know, that's what, that's what we did last week too, you know, just from that bad post, you know, and, but he, he finished really strong, you know, he was, uh, had a lot of power over, over the finish line. And I was very excited to see how, how, how he looked over, over there. So, uh, I think he's in really good shape and I think he'll be ready to go here in the handball. And actually I lied. I've got two more to ask you about that other division of the standing answer tomorrow. You had Hollywood story who I thought raced very well for the second and then that Capricornus and other that uh, had a bad post is never able really to get involved in that race. Tell us about both those horses and what we can expect from them coming up. Yeah, both of them were very good. Like Hollywood Sewer got a good trip and, you know, he finished second. He's still a little bit green against those horses, but, you know, I can't complain. He was second, just the length behind, uh, ready for money there. And uh, Capricornus had a bad post. Tim just took him back. And, uh, you know, he's always doing he's been doing good races uh, this year so far and he did last year too, but, uh, you know, he, he, he needs a good trip and, uh, he, but he, he always shows up, you know, if he gets a good trip. So yeah, both of them going to go to the, to the handball elimination. And, uh, I, I think they would be ready for that. Marcus, one more question before we let you go, obviously, uh, and this uh, really affected, I mean, it affected everybody, but certainly, uh, people with bigger stables uh, like you and, and Ron Burke and some of the others, the whole COVID shutdown, how did that kind of affect you? How did that kind of change your plans and how you had to manage your stable or did it at all? Yeah, of course, like a horse with the Hollywood story that we just talked about, you know, he only did uh, two starts last year and, uh, you know, that was a horse that was supposed to qualify at the beginning of April and, uh, you know, get a couple of starts there before the Grand Circuit start. But now, you know, now we've got, a little bit, you know, now we only made five, six starts here before, you know, going into the handball. But I think he's a really good horse. And, you know, it's uh, it's an open handball. You know, a lot of horses can win that race. So I think we should take the shot. So that's probably what's, you know, mostly have uh, been the problem. A couple of those horses that, you know, raced too much last year didn't get the, that experience in the beginning of this year before the Grand Circuit started. All right, Marcus. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, congratulations on uh, the big one with Jim Banty as he continues to roll. And, and best, of, best of luck to you as the Hamiltonian approaches, my friend. Thanks, bud. Thanks, bud. All right. That was Marcus Milander. And, uh, you know, that, and actually, I did have a, que- a very important question for Mike, and this is coming from an announcing point of view because I've heard it both ways. Is it AM? I guess it's AM, right? Yeah, why wouldn't it be? Would you call it AM? Well, because it, it, well, I have in the past. Mike, <laughs> dude, come on, but, man. But hold on a second, and I will tell you why. I will tell you why. Because the A is capitalized and the M is not. Oh, that's di- – okay, so that's different if you ask me. If it's one's capitalized and the other one isn't, then it's AM. If the other one – if yeah. both of them are capitalized, then it's AM. And, 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 I, and I noticed that Marcus pronounces it AM, uh, and it's and the reason that AM is because the horses are bred by um, AM or or AM bloodstock. And well, it, there you go. But it's a capital A. It's a capital A and a lowercase M. But hey, you know what? If Marcus calls it AM, then I, I will. You know, listen, and you're an announcer. Jeez, so, come on, man. I'm just kidding. Listen. Well, listen. By the way, I, I have a quick story. If I have a quick story to tell, by the way, speaking of names okay. and not being able to pronounce them. So Larry Letterman told me a long time ago, he said, you know, I just, I happened to look at the program. Do me a favor, pull the results up from Northfield last night while I'm telling this, and you'll understand why in a second. So when he picks up, when Larry Letterman gets ready to call a race, he he says, you know what, I just tend to pick up the program and, you know, we just go with it. Well, last Mm -hmm. night I was calling the races at Northfield and Mm -hmm. I had a situation like this okay okay so we were um let's see i'm gonna pull up what was last wednesday so wednesday. i believe it was the third it was the third race okay okay so one and 
okay, I get to number two, I think, okay, and I get to number three, and I look at the horse, and I go, I'm looking at this horse's name. Are you, are you looking at it? I'm looking go at ahead. it. You, yeah, go ahead. Do you, do you, give it a shot right now without even guessing. Wow. Do you want so, to? <laughs> so anyway, what? so I made something up, okay? I made something up. If, if Joe Zambito is listening, thank you to Joe Zambito because he texted me after the post parade and let me know what, how to say this horse's name. It's, do you want to build a snowman? So, but the thing of it is, as an announcer, you, if you don't look at the ahead of time, this can happen right. to you. And one situation, this is a situation where you couldn't go back and watch a replay because it was the horse's first lifetime pair mutual start. So it's funny that we talk about the AM versus the AM, and then you look at a horse's right. name like that and go – and so, of course, I'm looking at it and going, what in the world is this? Had no mm-hmm. clue what to say. And, of course, it's not like an owner's name where you can just skip over it and then call the paddock. It's the horse's name. You can't just skip over it. It doesn't work like that. You have to make right. something up. And so I sat there for probably 40 seconds trying to come up with a name for this horse. <laughs> and I so think I said – What did you say in the post I, I say what? What did you say in the post parade? I think I said, "Do you want to bad's woman or something?" I don't even remember what the heck it was. It was bad. That's all I remember. It was bad. It was real bad. Let me let me let me let me ask you this as an announcer: Do you call? Or I, I think you don't. But when the horse has an N or an A at the end, the New Zealand Australia. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, now I've I've heard some call it. I've heard some call yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think uh, the correct way is to not call it, but uh, it just depends because like they add U.S. overseas sometimes, and it's right. the same difference. Some people, you know, some call it, some don't. Boy, that 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 was a that was a tough one. I could not get. I could not. I looked at that horse's name for like the, the few, and I couldn't get. I couldn't get. I couldn't even sign <laughs> it out. I, I couldn't oh, even sign man. it up. That's 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 amazing. Announcer, you look at things like that and you go, "What in the world?" Is, you know, it, I, it was Unfadans Mavi all over again. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Still, lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike Demine, presented by the USDA. Brian Brown is going to be joining us, and uh, we haven't had Brian on the show in a while. Brian's just a great, great guy, and and uh, he's got a couple of horses uh, that could be potential. Adios winners. So we're going to talk to uh, Brian about that and more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USDA. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Family property call 1-800-GAMBLER. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org.
Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Mike and Mike presented by the USDA. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. And Mike, before we get to Brian Brown, uh, I had a chance yesterday. Uh, they taped the PA Harness Week show yesterday, and I had a chance to uh, be on the show for a couple of minutes to uh, talk about something that we are starting to participate in a little bit more, Mike, the, uh, the PHRA's Wager Warriors. Um, and uh, basically – uh, they're very, very happy. For, for those of you that don't know, we had a chance, what was it, about a week, week and a half ago now, maybe two weeks yep. ago, to participate in uh, a Facebook Live, um, which basically was, uh, we were talking handicapping, and we got a lot of good questions, and we got a lot of good feedback, and uh, that's something, Mike, that we're going to continue, so we want everybody to uh, keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter, because we keep everybody updated as far as when the next one of those is going to be. Uh, I think it's 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 coming up very very soon, like maybe within the next week week and a half or so. Uh, yep. So uh, stay tuned to our social media. But uh, Mike, that's something that I really really enjoy doing, and I wanted to bring that up on the program uh, because we have talked a lot about how important it is to um, to educate our fans, uh, new fans, even experienced uh, fans, on ways to handicap and try to help people to make money because I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, Mike, is the racetracks actually want you to make money. Yeah, they do. And one thing about it, there's some spirited discussion, and that's what I like about those is we're not contained to just discussing A top or B topic. We're allowed to disagree with each other and really kind of go at it a little bit. It's a, It, it mm-hmm. was kind of funny to watch us go at it over the last quarters um, in the last show and you might have heard me over the last couple of weeks you know kind of jab mike a little bit or he jabbed me but it's one of those things that you know you've got to be able to have open forum and discuss those things and wager warriors has really given us a good opportunity to do that and uh i'll tell you what uh, there's some spirited discussion we you know we take a look at you know past replays programs um just a little bit of everything it's uh it's definitely something to look at yeah, and the cool thing about it is, is there's something for everybody. So if you're a beginner, don't feel like you're going to be intimidated. If you're an experienced handicapper, don't feel like it's going to be dumbed down for you because we're gonna, we're, we're, there's going to be something for everybody. And, 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 and listen, you know, if you are an experienced player out there and you have, uh, you know, maybe a method or a way that you would like us to, uh, you know, maybe try to teach and reach out to, to some of the uh, inexperienced players to try to help them by all means. I mean, make any kind of suggestions. It's really an open forum. It's really cool. We, we, we take questions and uh, I, I really like the format, Mike. And, and um, you know, yeah, it, it, the great thing about handicapping, we've talked about this many times, Mike, is that if you put a hundred people in a room, they, and, and had them look at the same race, pretty much if you, especially if you have a wide open event, everybody's going to look at that race differently. We'll, we'll look at the metal and pace elimination. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of Tall Dark Stranger's performance, but there were people who were a fan of Tall Dark Stranger's performance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, right. you know, it, it's, right. you know, it's each his own. Exactly. And I wasn't a fan of Poppy Rob's Hanover performance. And look, at, he came because of Metal and Pace and just did everything he could possibly do. And I was thrilled hard his performance. Out. And I was thrilled with his performance. And I'm not saying that to jab you. I'm saying that because I thought – No, no, that's the, that's just the way it is. People look at – and that's – you know, replays are the same way. You know, we urge everybody, watch replays. Uh, don't depend on the charted line. It doesn't always tell the whole tale. And, and uh, even and Mike, even if you can't watch replays, at least look at the charts because the charts even tell you more than the charted lines do. For sure. 
For sure they do. I mean, there's times where I've looked at a horse and you can tell that the horse was parked out or something happened to the horse. Um, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the, the horse was first, 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 second at the top of the stretch, finished 10th, beaten 20 lengths. There's no break. There's no nothing. What in the world happened here? And you go back to find out, you know, the horse stumbled or, you know, maybe there was broken equipment that, you know, wasn't noted or, you know, there. I mean, mistakes happen. Um, and so, you know, those things you got to look at. I mean, you want to be able to see what happened to those horses because, you know, to, to look at the charted line and all you see is one by a length, one by a length, one by a length, two by three, and then beat 10, 10th beat 20 lengths. That, that's, that's hard for me to say, you know, oh, well, okay, the horse would beat 20 lengths. And, you know, and one more thing, Mike, before we get to Brian Brown, uh, another thing, another reason to look at charts is, because if you just look at the individual charted lines that the program gives you, and you see a horse that's parked out um, maybe third or fourth, okay, you're going to assume just by looking at that 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 horse is first over. And not, yep. that's not the case necessarily. Or if you see a horse that's traveling on the outside fifth or sixth, you're going to assume, well, he must, be, he must have covered. He must be second or third over. That's not necessarily always the case. But that's something that if you look at the charts – the charts can tell you, but but once again, there's no there's no replacement for watching replays, Mike. There's no replacement at all for Correct. watching replays. Let's bring in uh, our good buddy trainer Brian Brown. Brian, it's been the first first time in a while you've been on the program. How, how you been, my friend? I've been very good. How's everybody there? Every, everybody's good. Listen, you've got a couple of horses that are coming up uh, in the Adios Eliminations. We're going to talk about them in just a moment. But uh, let's let's. I threw this question late to Marcus and I, uh, Marcus Milander, who was on the show before you, and I want to throw this at you first. Let uh, the, the COVID shutdown, and I know a lot of trainers have approached it differently, and it's it's put you know horses and schedules and that back. How, how has it affected your stable personally? Well, it not every horse that has affected adversely, but actually the two I have in the Adios, it did hurt them. The the mm-hmm. ones that raced last year, I don't think it really bothered them. If anything, we got more training in them, and uh, they were kind of ready to fire as soon as they opened. The ones that did not race last year, now their three-year-olds raced against horses that have raced. They're pretty much behind yet, even though, uh, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like no quarter. He's had uh, four lifetime starts. You know, he had one last year and three this year. He is still behind all those horses. And uh, he just needs toughened up and education. You know, the two races that he's been great, he uh, he was on the front by many lengths. Uh, so he has he still really has no experience. So we're asking a lot of both of these horses to – to go in the adios off of what limited experience they've had. And, and I've run into that problem with some of my other ones. They, the ones that didn't race last year, that come out this year, they were great in the non-winners of ones, maybe the non-winners of two. But now it's stake season, and it's just hard on them for them to catch up and, and learn how to race. You know, especially non-winners of ones, we were probably on the front in those so they really didn't get a lot of experience other than seeing the gate. And, uh, you know, they it basically they just got to toughen up is, is all it amounts to. Brian, we'll start things off with, uh, with later dudes. And, you know, one thing about later dudes, uh, he went out to Harris Hoosier Park to uh, kind of start uh, back in, oh, uh, goodness, here, uh, right there towards the end of June and ran into a role with J.R., uh, was fourth in his uh, next start in the Sire Stakes. It's one of those uh, one of those horses that likes to be around. Um, he's got a little bit of speed. He's got a little bit of closing speed to him. He can come from off the pace and uh, seems to be racing pretty well. That horse is coming around. He's one of them. Didn't race last year. I was lucky enough to get uh, more starts in him because he could get around the half, and he got to go to Northfield with Ohio and. Uh, Indiana being Ohio preferred, Indiana's Indiana sired preferred. The Metas hadn't opened yet. I, I did get to go to Northfield with him, uh, so he got a little more experience. He needs to learn how to leave the gate a little better. 
but that's coming. He left much better the other day. So uh, that horse is coming around. He didn't race last year, so he's one of them I'm talking about that that lacked the experience. Now, he's he's always been finishing good for us. So he, that horse at, uh, down the stretch the other day was probably pacing as, as hard as anybody that raced that day. So, you know, we're kind of sticking our necks out here, putting him in with those quality of, of horses. But as good as he raced and as ex- inexperienced as he is, we think he is going to come around and, and just make a nice horse. I mean, it's a big step from the sire stakes to racing Happy Rob and Tall Dark Stranger. But my owners are game. They like to be in these races. So we picked two of them we thought could possibly go in and get money. So we're willing to give it a chance. Brian, how important is it uh, how these horses finish? Obviously, you know, getting away well from the gate is important. You know, where they make their moves in the middle of the race is important. But just how important is it for them to be able to finish uh, finish strong? Uh, obviously, any horse can go to the lead and win easy. But, uh, you know, a lot of people like the horses that kind of dig down and kind of are more gutsy in the end. Well, that that means everything is how tough they are how good they're pacing at the end. You hit on it. you got to look at the, the whole race and understand how hard you used them earlier in the middle of the race. But even if a horse wins and he's not finishing good, you're scratching your head worried about next week. If you got a horse that's charging home, even if he doesn't win, you're still happy that the horse is, is finishing good and strong now you're looking forward to racing him again next week. Visiting with trainer Brian Brown. Uh, Brian, uh, your other elimination race number nine is a horse that we've already uh, talked about a little bit. No quarter. Draws well, draws inside. Uh, Dave Pallone uh, gets the drive. And uh, I guess the good thing about uh, your two horses is you're out of the poppy rob elimination as he's in what he's saying. But, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Mo Quarter and, uh, and what we can expect from him in that third elimination. He, you know, we're really looking forward to him this week because he, he was actually quite a surprise last week. We drew bad. David rolled him right along. He, he, his feet bother him. He has an ankle that bothers him a little. Uh, had to take a chip out of an ankle. That's why he only got one start. We went to Chester, Harris, Philadelphia. It was a monsoon that day. Track was uh-huh. really hard, which, you know, on rain days, that's the way it's going to be. He didn't like that at all. Track was too hard for him. The uh, Meadows the other day, the track was good. The horse paced through the turns exceptionally well. Uh, the horse was surprisingly great the other day. So, you know, he paced in 50. He probably went faster than any of the sire stake races did that day. So we thought, you know, we'll, we'll give him the chance too. We drew well, Dave Pallone, if anybody can get him out of the gate close at the Meadows, it's Dave Pallone. So we, we drew good. We got the driver that uh, we think we'll do good with him. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see him. I'm, I'm sure he's not going to be on the front. I wouldn't mind it if he is. You know, the horses, the two good races he's had this year, he's the one I talked about was way out in front the whole way. So it'll be nice for him to be able to follow, get a trip, and, and see what he could pace at the end. So we're, we're really looking forward to racing both of these horses this week because I think they're, they're on the improve and they're – they're so inexperienced that I think that over time they're just going to keep getting better. Now, Brian, let's uh, let's talk about one of your older horses uh, in working on a mystery. And you know, they say that the biggest jump uh, isn't necessarily from two to three, it's from three to four. You went to some of the older horses, but I thought Warshaw really stepped up his game and put in some really powerful horses. Uh, second in the graduate final, but be Horses out at the downs, and what you viewed essentially the last couple of weeks, and then the second was wish back meddling. You know, you hit it on the head. The jump from three to four is so hard on these horses, and that's actually we didn't stake this horse to the older races until August 15th 
is the Dan Patch. That's his first race that will be against the older horses. We did that intentionally because he had so much problems with his health last year. Uh, white count was always going up, and he, he was just not healthy all the time. It, it cost that horse a lot of money. He he was one of the best three-year-olds last year. So this year he's gained weight. He's stronger. He's healthier. Knock on wood, I haven't had that first case this year of, of having any kind of white count issues, sickness, nothing wrong with him. He got a break after the graduate. He, he raced great in all three of the graduate uh, races. Um, you know, now we got to step up against the aged horses, and it makes them so much harder because those horses, you know, can leave hard. They finish hard. Uh, I, I don't – I've said this before. I don't know if he's even the best four-year-old out there, let alone one of the best aged horses. But that horse loves to race. He's always finishing hard when he's healthy. Uh so I think he'll hold his own. I, I just can't get too overconfident in racing too hard. I just got to keep him healthy, and I think he'll do well. Brian, one thing, one last question before we let you go. One thing from a training standpoint is when a horse is like working on a mystery was last year, it has to be frustrating to try to figure a horse like that out because you know, no matter what you did with him, it seems like you know, he was constantly getting sick or you know whatever. What is that like for a trainer, and how do you get through those struggles? Well, it's very disappointing. It's hard to manage. You never know, you know, from race to race. He'd go a race or two great, and then he'd, he'd fall apart on it. The, the main thing that helped that whole situation was he has five great owners that never once complained, put pressure always waited on the horse to be where he should be to be able to go. They let me decide on all that. And, uh, you know, you, you when you have a horse that you think is good enough for Meadowlands Pace, North American Cup, all the huge races, he was in the Adios. He was like two to one morning line. I had to scratch him because his white count was out. You know, it, it, to miss those races, uh, it really is aggravating we we finally got him good go to lexington he wins in 48 very handy we're we're looking for the the breeder's crown we were going to race another week in lexington and then hope for the breeder's crown before i could race him the second week in lexington he had a temperature white count went through the roof we tried to get him ready for the breeder's crown it just wasn't happening and all the owners agreed let's just quit let him get healthy, and we'll come back next year. All right. That, that is quite a story on uh, really a, quite a special race to us. Well, Brian, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. As always, best of luck to you Come up in the, coming up in the uh, Adios Eliminations on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Call me anytime. All right. That was uh, trainer Brian Brown. I have to admit, Mike, Brian is actually one <laughs> One of uh, my most favorite people to have on the program. He's just, I mean, he goes in depth. And I'm going to tell you, once again, if you are a handicapper, and and I I told you, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had Dave Dave Miller on the program, he gave out some great information about some of his drives. He gave out great information about our major Dan who won. He gave out great information about Century Farrell who finished second. And, you know, hey, Brian is the same the same way. I mean, we, you know, hey, he came out and said, you know, listen, no quarter did not like the racetrack at Eric Philly. And he's like, that was a, that was, it was a very terrible beta race. And uh, once again, that's information that you're not going to see in a program. Yeah, for sure. And one thing about Brian is he's honest. Um, he will give it to you straight. It doesn't matter um, about him. I think we were at. Golly, was it Hoosier Park last year? And we asked him about something, and, man, he gave us some sort of shocking breaking news. And so, you know, one thing about Brian is he will tell you how it is, and he'll tell you the the God's honest truth about what he thinks about his horses. And from a handicapper standpoint, that's huge. Um, You know, if the horse is sick, the horse is going to be sick. You know, it is what it is. And the one thing that I respect about Brian is if the horse isn't 100, he ain't racing. But absolutely. 
Absolutely. We're going to take a final time out. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on First Time with Mike DeBunk, presented by the USTA. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Thanks so much to uh, both of our guests for taking time out of the program, both Marcus Melander and Brian Brown. Lots of great information. We'll see you back here next Thursday. First post is 1030. Good night, everybody. Can't stay here I know